From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. Hello, and welcome to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. And I am your host, Victoria Collier. Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading age boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. Today we have a special guest, Steve Capizzi, Georgia Chapter President of the Exit Planning Institute, who will be continuing our discussion that we started about business planning and succession planning. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Oh, absolutely. I just barely touched the surface in the last discussion on business planning, and I wanted to bring in the real expert on this topic so that we could go deeper uh, than I can alone. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Well, for starters, though, before we get into that, um, share with our listeners who you are and what it is that you do for business owners. Sure. So I've had a practice for about 24 years and coming alongside business owners and helping them uh, plan out their transition. And in that transition, you know, you have certainly a lot of financial planning that's involved, but also uh, how to get the business ready for that transition. And that comes into uh, getting it in shape, but also increasing the value. Because once you, you know, do those types of planning activities, then you have certainly more options as far as what transfer channel, you know, the, the lady or the uh, man can, uh, you know, basically choose. Whether it's, you know, a third-party sale or an ESOP or uh, transition to the, the kids. Okay. And so today we want to talk about specifically maximizing that value when they transition. But before we get into that, um, what are the different ways that people transition, whether it be voluntary or involuntary? Oh, wow. You know, certainly uh, the most traditional is a third-party sell, you know, to an outside body or a private equity group, and also to handing it down to, you know, Sally and Johnny, the kids. And so, you know, when would be the circumstances like death or divorce or, you know, somebody just wants to retire, or, you know? Well, there's a lot of involuntary, you know, mm -hmm. um, situations that come up with owners where it's divorce, um, you know, certainly a death, you know, with one of the partners. Uh, they don't have the capital to continue. Uh, it's, you know, disability. And, of course, that's why there's a lot of buy-sell planning that's involved. That's, you know, good for the protection of the business. Okay. And so let's say that when the business owner, in their minds, feels like they are ready to retire or step back, um, what needs to take place uh, at that time to maybe maximize their value so that they get the best value out of their business you know are there lots of different things that need to be done or do you just call a you know a broker and say hey i'm ready to sell <laughs> <laughs> well that happens <laughs> definitely it happens you know what we like to see is time you know let them have a, a certain amount of runway whether it's a year two years or three years because depending upon the shape of their business, the characteristics of the business, how they've built that business, is really going to um, um, think about how much work that needs to be involved in getting that business, you know, positioned for whatever transfer channel that they choose. And so are there fundamental questions that need to be asked and answered in that process of getting ready? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's all about, um, you know, the owner's goals and objectives is what's going to drive, you know, what transfer channel they select. And a lot of times, I think, um, you know, unknowing to the owner, you know, they go to their advisors and advisors only know what they know. And, and so, so when you talk about advisors, like what kind of advisors? CPAs, wealth advisors, uh, insurance agents, uh, you know, consultants, you know, within, you know, their industry, et cetera. Okay. Attorneys, maybe? Attorneys. Even? Oh, yeah. Attorneys, too. <laughs> Let's not forget the attorneys. No, we don't want to forget attorneys. <laughs> Whether they're the right people they're supposed to be going to or not. <laughs> and what about buyers? Why do buyers buy businesses? Oh, wow. Buyers buy businesses for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one, for financial reasons, you know. Uh, they want to get into the business and become their own, you know, man or woman. Uh, but others, you know, times they buy business for synergistic type reasons. And that is uh, because they see a certain uh, business model that's out there or a certain territory that they would like to uh, add on to their existing business. Uh, so there's a whole variety of reasons, both financially and synergistically, why buyers buy. And so when we've got a person who owns a business that's ready to sell, and we presume there's buyers out there that want to buy it. And we're talking about maximizing transferable value. Does that just mean like increasing their cash flow or what is that? Well, obviously you have to kind of step back and, and ask, you know, the question is like, what creates value? And what creates value is the future cash flows of a business. But there's an equation, you know, when you really kind of boil it down to it. And, you know, on the top half of the equation is you have your cash flow or economic benefit or, you know, in the M&A world, we call it EBITDA. But down below, you have uh, the buyer's rate of return that they want for that business. So if you have a million dollars EBITDA and they want a 25% return on their money, you know, so you're going to get a $4 million value, right? And a lot of people will focus on trying to increase value of the business, meaning grow revenue, but really the rubber meets the road. The easiest way is to try to reduce the risk in the business, which is going to reduce the rate of return that the, that the buyer is going to want on that business. Okay, so we are listening to Senior Salute Radio presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm, and we are having the pleasure of speaking with Steve Capizzi, the Georgia Chapter President of the Exit Planning Institute, who is a business consultant who helps businesses get ready to sell their business. Is that correct? Correct, and correct. also do sell. And do sell. <laughs> uh, not just get ready, but help them sell it, actually. And so we're talking about maximizing their value when they sell it. We're talking about increasing their cash flow, which you've just said is a big part of that is um, minimizing risk. And so what are the kinds of things in plain language that help us to minimize our risk so that the value in our business goes up? Yeah, so the concept I like to really get across to business owners is that you want to create a cash flow that is predictable, sustainable, and transferable. And so what that means is that a business value is made up of tangible assets and intangible assets. And these intangible assets are the processes of the business, the characteristics of the business, the model, um, you know, the, the, in, the, let's say, IP of the business. And so... This really what's create a you know, predictable, sustainable business. But in order to do that, you have to kind of like um, open the hood you know, of, of a car and see you know, what are the components you know, that are, is driving this car. And there are certain types of components that build out a business. Uh, typically, I kind of you know, say there's eight components. 
and you have to ask a whole lot of questions within each of these categories of that business uh, to find out you know where the risk lies within that that's going to impact you know it not to be sustainable and predictable for the potential potential buyers and so I'm going to want to get into those eight components but before we do that can't we just look at financial statements just to see that you know how strong the business is isn't that alone a good enough indicator as to what the value of the business is well you know financial statements uh, they do tell a story you know and they tell a, a story whether there is financial strength uh, or if there's you know certainly problems you know within the business but to kind of give you an example so let's just look at financial statements income and let's say you have 10 million dollars of revenue top line well you know in that 10 million dollars of revenue top line is it a diversified you know customer base or out of that 10 million dollars of top line revenue you have 40 percent comes from one customer so that in of itself is a risk that's not shared you know when just looking through the financial statements and so as we go and talk about the different eight categories to help a business um, maximize their value get it ready to sell and actually do sell it can you explain that by using an example of a company that you've done that very process with and go through each of those eight components as to you know what was strong what was weak how you could make it stronger and the result of that sure well so the eight components you know basically that I kind of look at are planning you know what type of planning you know have they done most business owners don't have a plan you know then you move to okay so either go deeper now as you're going through it or make sure you do it when you go through the example of the story because planning that's such a vague word for example you know i mean i sit here and i plan all day long some would call that a dreamer you know <laughs> <laughs> so so you know either go deeper now as you explain all these or make sure that when you give us your example of walking through how you've actually done it with a real um business and i know you've done hundreds of businesses um i want to make sure that our listeners really understand what we mean by each of these words sure well i'll just rattle off right okay. now the eight categories and then we'll kind of come back perfect is that okay yep all right so planning is one that i just mentioned then we have leadership okay uh, you know the leadership of the owner and the management team then you have the people you know people what make you know the business worth you know handling the processes then you have the marketing component the sales component operations and finance and legal and you know you mentioned earlier about um, you know just looking at the finance and most business owners what they do is, you know, if they're going to prepare uh, for a exit or transition, as we call it, they may go to a CPA. And so if you really think about it, that CPA is going to handle the finance part really good. They're going to make sure all the debits and credits are in the right places, got nice, beautiful financial statements, you know, everything's in order. But when you look at the other seven parts of it, there may be risk involved in there that is really going to devalue the business. And then if you even go to our attorneys that we love. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get the governance, you know, all worked out, right, and aligned. But then again, if you just go to an attorney, then, you know, you're not going to be able to get all the full ranges. So circling back with planning, every business needs to have a strategic operational plan. And when buyers come in, they want to know where that owner is going uh, so that they can have confidence you know, in what their business model is so that they can go ahead and acquire. So with the planning, that would be like 
planning to make sure you have all your documents are tied up the way they should be? No, not really. It's more of an operational plan, meaning that, um, you know, there's there's a vision, there's a mission, you know, within the company. There's values within the company. You do a SWOT, uh, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, you know, uh, operation. Then you also are going to look at, you know, what are what is the strategic objectives of the company, and then what are the tactics, and then what are the actions, and, the, you know, and go down through that. So you want to really build out uh, how to accomplish what the you know business owner team wants to accomplish in that business. Okay, so kind of like the business owner's blueprint of our vision, our mission, and how to carry those things out Correct. from an operational standpoint through your people uh, that is another category. Right, people. I mean, obviously, uh, some business owners, you know, and this kind of gets into a little bit of the leadership thing, they want to control. And that's kind of what makes them special. You know, they're out there and they got their head down and they're, you know, on that entrepreneurial highway and they want to control everything. But in order to really create a more valuable business, you really need to decentralize, you know, create a management team, turn it over to the people that you believe in that can have the right skill sets to execute, you know, each facet, you know, of the company for yourself. And so, you, you know, the right people in the right seats. I would imagine that as a business owner who wants to ensure that what they've created, their baby that they've birthed and, you know, raised um, from a business standpoint, and they want to leave their legacy, you don't want to just sell that to people you don't know unless you have created a management team and others that are going to continue your vision from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, business owners are very prideful for that legacy. And, um, you know, in telling them that they really need to work their way out of, you know, management, you know, sometimes it's frightening to them because they want to have their hands on it, but it's the best thing that they can possibly do. So you want the owner to be able to, you know, leave for 60 days, and when they come back, everything is just, uh, you know, fine and dandy. Last year in uh, 2008, 18 I did that very thing except it wasn't 60 days in a row it was 30 days in the beginning of the summer and it was 30 days in the fall and oh my gosh what an eye-opener it was the first 30 days my firm you know you don't know how strong or weak your firm is until you leave and my staff had zero access to me other than emergency access and that was defined very clearly um and you find all your your weak spots for sure um when i left and did the same thing in the fall i can't say things were perfect but they sure were a lot better after we learned from the first experience and i think that all business owners should do that whether they're planning to transition out or not it just shows you so much the good and the not so pretty about your own business right and also when you think about it it's not only people but it's the processes you set up within that you know uh in your organization that keeps you know everybody walking the same you know beat so it's very important to have um, a business that's very process oriented that is documented and so when you know someone leaves you can come back and train them and, and get them back in and not miss a beat you are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. And Steve Capizzi is explaining to us how we can increase the value of our businesses if we plan to transition or not. Um, and 
right now we're going over the eight components of a business that can be improved that improve the value and the sellability of a business. We've talked about planning, we've talked about people and operations through systems. And you talked about leadership a little bit. Um, is there any more you want to talk about that or can we talk about marketing and sales and why that's important? Well, you know, kind of going back to the planning part, the leadership, um, you know, there needs to be clear communication from the top down of what expectations are on a daily basis as to what your job is and then also what the mission of the business really is so that, you know, they can, you know, see if this is something that they want to do uh, or not want to do. And speaking of communication, I have heard over and over when a business owner is planning to sell that they bring in a potential buyer and they say, don't tell anyone, nobody knows. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's not a whole lot of communication. Can you um, dis discuss a little bit about, you know, how that can impact the overall sellability? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a big question. So, you know, as I take a business owner through a process of selling their business, obviously confidentiality is a must. And, you know, people, by their very nature, they don't like change, and so they get scared. And so we keep the whole process very confidential to the very end, on just on a need-to-know basis. And sometimes we'll include, you know, the CFO and, and the CPA, you know, involved in that process. But as far as, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, workforce, uh, they don't need to know until it happens because anything can happen in an M&A transaction. Okay. And when you say M&A, you've said that a couple times now. Not everybody who's listening will know what that is. What does that stand for? It's really slang jargon for the uh, sales side business brokering industry. Uh, mergers and acquisitions is what okay. it's called. Okay. And so... Um, what about on the financial side? Is it more than just looking at your finances to make sure everything's in order and you don't have two sets of books, one for the IRS and one for yourself? Um, does it go beyond that? Such I didn't as say that. <laughs> no, I mean, but we've all seen companies who have that. <laughs> um, does it go more in depth from, you know, a business owner that thinks that, hey, I want to get, you know, $20 million out of this business and it might only be worth $3 million. and so it's it's helping them have a financial reality? Well, so on the finance part of it, it's very critical for, for you to have good financial statements because that's what the buyer is actually going to see and so the and so basically you have four types of financial statements. You have management prepared, you have compiled, uh, reviewed, and audited. Now, obviously, a lot of businesses can't, you know, provide audited statements because of the cost that's prohibited, et cetera. But it's good to have an attorney to come in, excuse me, a, a well, attorney and also, you know, CPAs to come in and, you know, look up underneath and, and make sure that the financials are in order, they're correct and accurate. Uh, but more importantly, like there's a client that I'm working with up in Memphis and 32 million sales, uh, great business, EBITDA, meaning earnings. Uh, are around four and a half million and um, they have a 15 year old you know bookkeeper which what I'm saying is that they have grown with the business the bookkeeper's <clears throat> been there 15 years the bookkeeper's not 15 years old correct all right got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. a little Freudian slip <laughs> um, so yes so you know she's been there she's done a great job 
but you know basically now she's a little bit over her skis as far as handling and having the proper controls in that size of organizations you know receivables have kind of you know drifted a little bit and so they're on a uh, QuickBook system and they probably need to graduate up to have more control over it so you know we're working with them into uh, creating a better financial system for them to control their their business kind of like you know what got you here is not necessarily what's going to get you to that next step correct and so what about the legal components the eighth component here uh i know lawyers and legal stuff are always considered last so go ahead and let's at least close out this part <laughs> what do businesses need to consider on the legal side well you know certainly if you have contracts uh with customers that's always good to have in place because that presents more of a reoccurring type revenue and that kind of translates into more of a sustainable predictable cash flow but when you look at the agreements are the agreements with your supplier in order um, you know are they executed right I've seen situations where um, you know documents are not executed and it's a oh no you know type you know situation where you kind of have to go back and, and clean that up um, also to IP intellectual property that kind of falls into the whole uh, legal side of it are you properly protected you know with your trademarks with your uh, proprietary you know uh, uh, products that you may have or your systems etc so it's very important for companies to really kind of take back step back and see if there is any opportunity to really uh, trademark or um, or copyright their processes which would certainly increase their value if they've got all this intellectual property they haven't secured absolutely right. um, so walk us through a hypothetical client um, in what you do on a on a daily basis to help start start with you know who you get the call from how people even know that you're out there that can do this from who you get the call from to what your first encounter with that client sounds and looks like and how you assess and then uh, you know in a hypothetical business that you've helped um, walk us through some of the issues that they had in some of the solutions that help them sure so um, I'll give you an example back in last December I got a call from uh, a business owner and said hey Steve you know know what you do I've heard you you know heard about you uh, I have a unsolicited you know um, offer from a private equity group so he his business wasn't for sale but somebody wants to come and buy him correct okay and I said well what have you done and they said well you know I went ahead and signed a non-disclosure with them and I'm like okay well, did you give me any information yes I gave him some information and I'm like okay and the non-disclosure was probably prepared by the other side right correct <laughs> correct <laughs> and so I said well you know what what's happened thus far and he said well you know, darn it, you know, like two weeks after I, you know, gave them my financial statements, I learned that they bought my competitor. So when you really kind of think about it now is that his financial statements are with the competitor now. Right. So, you know, we really need to get those calls, you know, ahead of time before any business owner does it, which kind of led into the whole conversation with them like, well, what are your goals and objectives? And when you start, you know, peeling back, you know, the layers, um, he really shouldn't have ever been talking to a private equity group from the beginning because his goals and objectives just don't line up with that type of opportunity. And so as we were getting into it, he said, you know, hey, Steve, I want a $10 million exit, you know, in a certain amount of time. And so we start, you know, working on 
um, okay, well, you know, how many assets you got outside the business? What's the current value of your business right now? You know, are you going to be able to meet those long-term goals? And so what we have to do is assess that business and find out what is the value, but also what are the strengths and weaknesses to see if we can't increase that value and meet his time horizon. And so this sounds like the perfect situation in that he wasn't thinking about selling, but because somebody was asking him to sell, it got him thinking about selling. And when I say the perfect situation, I mean for you as the advisor, because now you can set it up properly from the beginning with that time horizon. Um, what is a good time to begin before realistically selling it at the value it should be sold for? Sure. Great question. And it's going to vary really with the business. You know, some businesses are very strong and they need some things to be cleaned up. Others, they need a whole heck of a lot of work. But really, when you kind of look at it, we kind of say about a one to three year time period uh, in order to do it right, because we're going to be getting, you know, estate planning attorneys involved to clean up uh, anything from their estate standpoint. We get wealth advisors involved. We get uh, CFOs involved, you know, to clean up the financials. So there's a lot of activity that comes into getting that business ready. And it sounds like you all work as a team of advisors versus individuals doing their own thing. Correct. I can remember, you know, in the day, you know, when you talk about collaboration, no one was into that. Everybody was operating in their silos from an advisor standpoint. Now, today, no one knows it all. And so you have to bring in talent, um, you know, from the other side you know, to help build out a business owner team to basically accomplish what the business owner really wants to accomplish. And I tell you, as a lawyer, I don't want to know it all, that's for sure. Um, but when we're talking about teams like that, it also sounds like a lot of expense. And so share with our listeners, what's the value other than just now I'm able to sell my business? What if I don't have that whole team? Um, and what am I generally, what you observe happens to my business versus when I have my team of advisors, what the result is then? Sure. I'll answer it in two different ways. One is a lot of times owners will get unsolicited offers, as I mentioned before. So they get all excited. On the other side of the table, they slide over a nice big letter of intent, and then they start going through the due diligence process. And the owner is just not ready for that due diligence. So certainly the other side is going to come in and have this team that is going to you know, look up underneath the hood and they're going to start finding stuff. And when they start finding stuff, they start whittling down, um, you know, the purchase price. And, you know, it, it just becomes a messy, you know, type of experience for the owner, very taxing from an emotional standpoint. And, you know, the owner is like, well, I can't, you know, sell my business for that. Or they go ahead and sacrifice and with the deal and, and really made a bad deal. So it's always good to be prepared. And so what I kind of tell, you know, business owners is that what we're trying to do is do reverse due diligence way ahead of time. So when you do get that call, you are deal ready and prepared, you know, to present your business. But also, too, with that, you may say cost. Well, you know, so let's say we get a owner on the front end and they want to really increase the value of their business to meet their, you know, number. Well, when you really start thinking about if a business owner has a million dollar 
uh, EBITDA, okay, earnings of the business. And right now, from a value standpoint, it's $4 million, but we can increase it to $5 million. That's a million dollars, right? Right. So More if, money in the pocket. <laughs> exactly. So if they increase in, if they incur an expense of, let's just say, $300,000, wouldn't you say that's a pretty good no. uh, ROI? So as an example, if the whole team was 300000 I've increased the business by an extra million that I never knew how to do without my team. Right. Absolutely, that's a great return. Right. I can tell you that I uh, made an effort to buy another law firm in the last few years who wanted to sell, who wanted to retire. And um, it happened exactly like your first scenario in that, you know, she hadn't done anything to massage any of these eight categories you've got you know as a sole practitioner with one assistant so no leadership after she was gone um no processes and systems just some software uh that lawyers use you know um and so when going through and assessing the value again it was just like you said it was chipping away at that asking price and ultimately the deal fell through you right know? and don't most deals fall through a lot of deals do fall through, and it's all about deal preparation and, and setting the owner's expectations accordingly. And so that's why when you're doing a whole lot of questioning up front, discovery, finding out where that owner wants to go, um, you, know, you can basically give them answers as to how to get there. Are there certain types of businesses that lend themselves more towards successful sales than other types of businesses? You know, I would say yes, and um, before I would probably say, you know, no, um, but yes. But you're older and wiser now. I'm older and wiser <laughs> now, yes. There is so many buyers in the marketplace nowadays. You know, with the uh, creation of private equity, private equity has grown to over 3,000 uh, firms, and everybody has their um, investment mandate, you know, as far as what types of businesses that they want to go after. Um, I've just incurred, you know, one private equity group that is highly interested in construction type companies. And before construction was, uh, you know, just really not very um, um, desirable, only because it was very transaction oriented. And also from the economy standpoint, very cyclical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to answer your question, um, you know, I think everything's up for sale almost today. Okay. And what are your perfect type of businesses to work with? I like manufacturing, distribution, service businesses. I really enjoy working with, um, I guess, the baby boomer clientele uh, for the purpose of they've held their business for years. And, um, you know, they've really contributed to our economy, you know. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, over ha almost half of the GDP is from, you know, lower middle market business owners. And uh, really helping them achieve their goals so they can kind of, uh, you know, play at the beach with their grandkids. So how can our business owners uh, contact you so that if they are within one to five years of wanting to get out of their business through retirement or otherwise, how can they reach you, Steve? Well, certainly they can call 678-242-5250 uh, is the office number. And also uh, the website is www.apetsapetsexit.com. And my email is steve at apetsexit.com. And if there were one thing you think business owners should know in general or about you and your business, what's that one thing you'd want to leave them with today? Trustworthy. Trustworthy. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you.
You're welcome. You have been listening to Senior Salute, which is a bi-monthly show bringing timely information for leading age boomers and is available 24-7 online by visiting businessradiox.com and selecting Senior Salute. I want to thank you and our special guests, Steve Capizzi, and our listeners. We salute you. Thank you.